Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today on Todd Versations. We're really glad you're here. Thanks for swinging by, hanging out. Hopefully you're hiding from your boss. Maybe you're at the gym. Maybe you're in the car. Doesn't matter. We're just glad you're here. Got a friend of mine with us today. I'm excited about having him on. I've been pestering him for a while to make some time for me. He's a tad busy these days. We're going to get into why. But please, everybody, give it up for my buddy, my pal, the president of Pete, Brian Cook. Welcome, brother. Hey, brother Todd. Thank you for having me on. But uh, I guess now we've got to be... Uh... Be a little bit more specific. It's uh, president of uh, local bounty, where Pete's is now a brand of. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that <laughs> local bounty. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. You know what? Well, I'm so used to the Pete's because you guys are such an you know iconic brand. I know you got the transit, which we're going to talk about. But you know, before we get into all that, do you want to share a little bit about just kind of who you are and stuff? Because I could read your bio, but that just seems so campy. It's just better if you show the story. <laughs> yeah, it's boring, anyways. I. Uh, like many of us in this industry, uh, practically grew up in it. Um, I, I had a little bit more of an interesting background in that I kind of touched a, a various aspects of the business. So I started in uh, when I was 21 with a company called Plastic Specialties. And uh, what we did was all the sign programs for supermarkets. Um, you know, so we did all the Whole Foods, Rayleigh's, you know, you yeah. name it, uh, sign programs. Um, and then we also did like POS materials. So that's really, I really started cutting my teeth and uh, getting into the marketing and merchandising side as well. And I was there for, gosh, I don't know, about six years or so. And then uh, had a friend who I met in the industry um, through relationships with the Fresh Produce and Floral Council. Uh, his name was Wes Leifer and he was starting a new company. And so uh, I went and spent a little less than a couple of years with, with him, uh, learning the melons and potatoes and onions business. Yeah. Uh, so that was a, a lot of fun. You know, that's, those guys do the hard work, man, going out there and sourcing the, the fruit and, and then having to sell it and get trucks and all that. Their, their job's never getting any easier. But um, from there, uh, was picked up from a company called San Miguel Produce. Yeah. They, they do the cut and clean green. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're, I was there for uh, seven, eight years and uh, had this opportunity. I've, I've always been uh, big into trying to follow trends and I just saw the beauty of what was happening in the CEA space. And uh, I just, I was blessed enough to get a call one day from, uh, from actually a headhunter who said, Hey, we've got a company who's uh, interested in a vice president of sales and marketing. Are you, is that something you'd be interested in? And, you know, just the overall timing was right. And so I came over to uh, what was called Hollandia produce, which we rebranded into the Pete um, right. and uh, really kind of took that to the forefront from a brand perspective. And, uh, you know, was there, you know, when we, when I first started there, we became an ESOP. Um, and so that was kind of an interesting uh, piece Process. of the puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> and then, How confusing uh, are those? Truthfully, how confusing are ESOPs? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 kind, it's kind of funny because, you know, you, there's this whole, you know, you have, it's, <laughs> you have everything from, you know, you know, upper management, right. Yeah. To, to production and everything like that. And everyone sees it just a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's so, you know, as, as much as it is that, oh, this is good, um, you know, for, for your future and all of that conversation, because there's no, nothing that you're touching, people are, don't really kind of really get behind it a, a lot. So it was an interesting, it was an interesting five years of trying to promote the value of what could be, you know, um, through that process. But yeah, it's yeah, the ESOP structure is, uh, it's really cool. You know, it's really yeah. good for the team. Uh, but it's, uh, it's very interesting to really try to get people to see the the value in it since it's not, you know, you're not really touching anything. Right. 
I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, so tell me a little bit. Let's let's talk a little bit about Hollandia. I mean, obviously things have changed. The, the company's growing. We're going to get into that eventually. But talk a little bit about you know the family history of Pete's itself, because you know you guys. This is this isn't your first week in the gig, right? You guys ran a long time. So who's Pete, and how did it kind of get together where you are? Because it's a great story. Yeah. So I guess you know you got to actually go before Pete. Um, yeah. So there, his parents, Art and Magda Overgog. Uh, migrated over here, you know, moved to the States, um, you know, chasing that uh, American dream. And um, the uh, art went to work, um, did a lot of stuff in landscaping, as I understood it, um, and really just started saving money, was really good about, you know, saving money, saving money. And, uh, you know, both Art and Magna's grandparents were, were farmers back in, in the Netherlands, and, and specifically in the um, greenhouse space. So, you know, they had that history and no one was really doing it out here on the West. And so they bought a little piece of property and they put up a little greenhouse. And that's when uh, Hollandia Flowers was born. So, um, you know, originally the company in 1970 uh, focused on flowers. So, you know, chrysanthemums and, and the like. And, you know, through that process, you know, business changes, right? We're in this ever evolving business of change. And for them, what that looked like was a lot of import flowers coming in. And right. that was really putting, putting them uh, in a really tough spot to maintain margin. Um, and so during that time period, they had four children. One of them was actually Pete. And um, at, at some point, he decided that, uh, you know, he was going to kind of take the reins and move the company to the next level. So we started doing tomatoes and cukes at first. Uh, mm -hmm. That was in around 1985. And then in 1995 is when um, Art came back after a visit to the Netherlands and said, hey, you, AP, you got to really take a look at this technology coming out. Um, you know, it's, you know, this hydroponic lettuce and gutters, you know. And so uh, Pete went out, checked it out. And in 95, we were the first to bring um, a hydroponic gutter system. They call it a multiple gutter system to the um, to the uh, Western U.S. and started producing uh, butter lettuce from there. Unbelievable. Now look, the rest is history. Just so, so they say. So yeah, they said, well, right? let's let's talk a little bit because you know, being in the CEA space, it's such an interesting business today. You know, you look at at folks that are trying to get in and break in. You look at how much investment money has been put into this. You look at you know trying to find shelf space all the time. I mean, it's an interesting business model to participate. But you guys have got you know a leg up. You've been around a long time. You're a legacy brand that's out there now today. So I want to talk a little bit about the greenhouses. So really, what kind of greenhouses do you farm in? Let's give people a little uh, kind of understanding. Because I think sometimes people think a greenhouse, it's like, well, what does it really mean, right? It's just like a house that has glass all around it. But there's a lot more to it than that. So can you touch on a little bit about what kind of greenhouse you farm in? Yeah, most definitely. So, um, you know, I guess the, the easiest way to look at it is controlled environment agriculture. Um, so, you know, and that could stand across multiple different, um, uh, facets. So, you know, this one's not as, as much as environmentally controlled, but, you know, you could actually kind of start with it, maybe with hoop houses that you see a right. lot of berry growers using. That's really not what, what we do. We kind of go to that next le level where there's, you know, full on structures, like if you would have a house and within those structures, you know, it could be anywhere from a double poly to, to glass and any kind of plastic in between. And really what drives that is based upon the uh, area where you're growing. So right. an area like California, you know, especially where we are at in Ventura County, Santa Barbara County areas, the weather tends to be a lot more moderate. So we could get away with uh, greenhouses that aren't, 
you know, um, you know, fully crazy built out like our facility right. in Georgia. So in Georgia, we've got everything scooped to nuts. I mean, it's not only is it a the greenhouse uh, glass, but it's got humidity controls. It's got cooling and heating. It's got CO2. It's right. got the kind of the full gamut of what, you know, what you would expect when you, when a lot of people think about greenhouses, which is just that fully highly functioning automated structure. So there's, there's a lot of different um, types of greenhouses. Everything we do is, is very, uh, you know, automated more so than what you would see in the traditional farming. Uh, so that's kind of really what are the, some of the biggest uh, differences between uh, the various greenhouse uh, houses right. and uh, you know, some of them to traditional farming. Yeah. Well, you make an interesting point when you talk about your, your facility in Georgia, because I say it all the time. You know, greenhouses are either on offense or they play defense. Right. And if you're playing defense, that means every day you're changing with based on what Mother Nature's giving you as opposed to playing offense to where your points like, hey, we're worried about humidity. We figure that out when it gets to be, you know, if it's if it's if it's 100 degrees outside, it's a heck of a lot hotter inside that greenhouse than it is outside when it gets to be that warm. So having the ability to cool to keep yourself into that proper controlled environment all the time is super important. Now, I know you guys are in the hydroponic space. And if you wouldn't mind, just because I think it's there's so much conversation around CEA now, and especially when it comes to whether it's organic, not organic and this and energy, just all these different things. I think it's important that we keep talking about what these are, because I look at, you know, what you all are doing in the CEA spaces, you know, I'd say it all the time is a positive cost of food, right? We're investing into the future. So I think it's important. I want to kind of get into that a little bit about why this is important, why we think about this from an investment standpoint as a, and as a positive cost of food. So kind of what is hydroponic and what does it actually mean, if you wouldn't mind? Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, it's Fred Valentino, East Coast Director of RGO Produce Marketing. Thank you for listening to Toddversation and Todd Bits. At RGO Produce, we're closing the information gap. Headquartered in the heart of California's Central Valley, the nation's largest and most fertile agricultural growing region, we know fresh produce. With locations across the country, we blend digital innovation with human intelligence to bring the best quality produce to our customers. RGO measures fresh produce quality, taking the speculation out of the buying process. At RJO, we simplify selecting quality because we are quality driven and I promise you quality delivered. Are you sure you know what your produce looks like? We do. Give us a call or go online at rjoproduce.com and let us help elevate your customer's experience. Yeah, um, so hydroponic in its most simplest form is growing where the plants themselves are getting the, um, their, their nutrients from, from a water source. So as opposed to traditional farming where plants are going into the ground, they're watered um, you know, through various methods, um, we're actually um, making sure that uh, you know, the, the, the water is just running through either a channel um, mm -hmm. or a gutter system or a pool system, which is exactly what you, you know, think of it as, it's kind of a big body of water where the lettuce is flowed up again. So right. basically it all comes down to the nutrient source of the lettuce is from water as opposed to it being from specifically soil. soil. Right, right. Talk about a little bit, let's talk about the positive attributes, right? Because one of the big things too, is that I think people need to recognize is that you know, an acre in the dirt is not an acre under glass. It's far greater, you know, I mean, from a yield perspective, all that. It's sometimes it could be 10 to one. It can even be higher than that, depending on what you're all doing. Um, and they stack or don't stack all these other things, right? 
Um, so talk to me a little bit, if you, if you could, just about some of the positive attributes that you're seeing as far as your greenhouse and this growing methodology that you guys are using. Yeah, thanks for the question. So, I, I, you know, at the kind of the basic foundation of it that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some of the reports that you see out there is uh, the greenhouses use 90% less water, 90% less land. So those, those are really kind of easy bits to chew from. But I think some of the other items that really kind of start taking it to the next level is the needs of input. So, you know, the, the good part about growing in a controlled environment is that it's just that it's controlled. So right. the needs to use, you know, herbicide, fungicide, pesticides reduced drastically, if not eliminated through that process. Um, and so when you think about, you know, the, what, what's generally needed to grow a head of lettuce, let's just say, since that's the business that we're in, you know, traditional farming, you know, they're not out there and their goal is not to go out there and soak the lettuce with, you know, herbicides or pesticides or something like that. You know, I know oh. they, you know, sometimes people get this crazy notion that's what they're doing. They're not trying to do that, but there is a requirement of that product because of them being outside and there's sure. going to be um, pests that come o- come around. So being in a more controlled environment lessens that risk totally. Um, and I think, uh, you know, beyond that, you start thinking about, you know, while this business is very capital uh, intensive, it right. allows you to bring the food closer to the source of consumption. And so as we think about this environmentally uh, and, you know, all the way through, that was one of the reasons why we chose Georgia is because that's the farthest we are. So when we were, you know, someone who's focused on sustainability and trying to do better and better um, each day, sending product from California to, you know, our customers in Georgia, you know, it's a bit of a road trip. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't really what we stood for. So we had to keep thinking of stuff like, how are we going to fix that? And so what we did was, you know, build a facility in Georgia. And so that way we could bring the product closer to home. Absolutely. But from Georgia, 24 hours, you can be in Miami. You can be in probably what, D.C. You probably can be in Cincinnati. I mean, I'm imagining, I mean, it's all relatively pretty close to be able to move product to your point more efficiently less, you know, makes a little more carbon neutral, less of a carbon footprint, and it's fresher product to the consumer, which at the end of the day, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's really the win in all this is giving, giving consumers good product. Yeah, that's 100%, Todd. I, you know, one of the biggest things as I've been in this industry, and I'm sure you've seen this throughout too, because you can't be in the produce industry and not be one of those types who like to go out in the stores and look at everything. Right. <laughs> so, you know, through that process, as we're going through that, you know, you, when we go into, you know, outside of, you know, urban and suburban areas, you get into more of the rural areas. It's sad to see what sometimes that the lettuce looks like by the time it gets there. And, you know, frankly, some of it is just the process, right? A lot of times you have to go through a few different handlings before it gets to somewhere in, in someone in a rural area. But if you're able to grow closer to that and you could get product that's super fresh to a distributor within a day, that product could get to them within a day or two. And so now in all of these environments that aren't used to seeing very good, strong, delicious, fresh produce is now having the ability to, to, to consume it that way. And that to me is the most exciting thing about what we're doing moving in the future. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, you guys have been around obviously a long time, pushing probably close to 50 years if you take a look at what none on everybody's been doing in the past, right? And that's kind of a spitball 
35,000 foot question, but I think it's kind of cool to think about when I think about CEA and where it's gone, especially somebody, again, it's got a legacy brand like you guys have created. How has technology changed when you think about like, like literally, I'm sure, Eamon, in, in your tenure, you know, five years ago, the technology's light years ahead of what it was. But when you think about in the big grand scheme, can you throw some thoughts out there about some of these changes and, and why they excite you guys about being in this space? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's amazing to see what, what's, what's been coming around over, you know, the course of the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. But I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Every year, it seems like something new and exciting is coming out. And some of it is really solid, you know, benefit, you know, really going to drive solid unit economics through the process, which in turn is, right. it provides a value to the, the consumer. And there's also some just really cool high tech stuff in there, which is kind of cute, you know, that yeah. and <laughs> more so in nature, but it's cool to have. And it's cool to see what, you know, what, what's happening, um, you know, through that process, you know, I mean, you know, it's not like we're trying to end jobs, but if you really think about it from a farming perspective, getting hands-on product every year is, is tightening. The labor market's tightening. And if we don't, if we don't do something about it and we don't automate or mechanize as much as possible, we're going to get caught in a situation where there's not going to be any produce or people to get produce out of the field. So, you know, I think the CEA space is the first step, you know, through that process and the technological advances that go along with it, you know, further reduce any risk in making sure that we always have people to harvest produce. Right. get into stores and that'd be super fresh. Yeah, no, dude, I, I, you're 100% right. The labor thing is huge. It's fascinating to me when I think about the technology advancement system over the course of the last five years. I mean, you're talking about companies that are gathering a million points of data on a leaf of basil, right, to learn every single nuance. I mean, in some ways, you know, I, I always say it's like we, we can't play Mother Nature, but boy, we could sure learn from her and help it along, right? We could sure learn from this tech. What does it mean? How much light do you need? How much less water do you need? What are we doing? The varieties are going to come out of CEA space. I'm really fascinated by as the seed companies invest in CEA, which they're doing now to recognize that, you know, hey, it's really hard to grow spinach in a greenhouse. Let's just all say, it. you know, if that's the golden goose right there. It's a really tough item to do, but they're working on it, right? They're working on these next steps. I think it's just so important that we continue to think about this positive cost of food investment. When it comes to our food, I mean, it's just so important to your point. How are we going to feed people if we don't have people to help feed? Yeah, yeah it's no, going to be a challenge. Yeah, 100% agree. You know, and, yeah. and it's a good thing. I mean, that, that whole, you know, transition from the, the seed companies focusing on traditional farming seed to CEA, you know, I mean, you want to talk about something that's just happened. I mean, there's been co companies doing it little bit by little bit, but you're seeing it loud, loud and clear now. They're going all in. Yeah, you know. for sure. Yeah, no, they're stepping up. I think it's great. And when I think we have to, we have to be looking at what's going to happen. You know, you're going to have nine point, what, eight billion people here by 2050. That is a ton of people are going to be hungry. Right. And we're going to have to figure out how to do it. Right. And it, by reducing food waste is one by working harder, increasing consumption is another and by investing in ag technology is another. I mean, it's just all part of the process to kind of make us a better planet. No two ways about it. You know, one of the things you guys do that I think is above and beyond a lot is you guys wear your morals and values on your shirt sleeve as a company. I mean, you guys stand behind a lot of things. And I want to get into a few of these things because, well, I, you know, what? when I started, you know, and I've known you for a long time, and I, but when I got into the brand, I'm starting to dive deeper and start getting in and understand who you guys are in the marketplace. Even, you know, years ago, this and that, but really rekindled it as we were getting ready to do this. It's really impressive. 
um, the way you look at life as a business and that it's 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 bigger than just a clamshell of lettuce. It's bigger than just one box. It's it, you know, and I think that ESOP mentality when you're employee owned where everybody's, you know, there and has a voice and, and is a part of the process. I mean, that, that certainly uplifts and elevates your game. So I want to talk about a couple of those things because I think they're worthy. And the first one I want to talk about, you know, um, is, is the greater good concept that you guys have really, you know, and I think that's very encompassing of a lot, but I'd like for you just to kind of talk about, you know, what does it mean? You know, what, what is kind of the, the emphasis of that? And, and, you know, what's it do for you guys, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, so for the, for the greater good, when we talked about for the greater good, we looked at it, you know, holistically and, and where, where, where does that most important to play? And for us, it was people, you know, planet, and how we do our greens. So that was kind of the, the focus behind it and the kind of the high level um, conversation. But then you really get into like, well, what does that mean? What does it mean mm-hmm. to be the greater good? You know, and, you know, that means being transparent to your, to your team. It means listening to them. So like when we t- just kind of separate the people part, you know, as we've kind of grown as a company, you know, we listen to everybody. You know, we, yeah. uh, you know, there's not, we, I have a monthly meeting where, you know, I meet with the team and I lay out, Hey, here's where we're at the last 30 days. Here's what we're expecting for the next 30 days. Um, and, you know, is there anything that you guys see that we could do to, and, you know, improve anything that we need to improve on or, you know, even kudos, like, you know, who's been doing a great job. You know, we do value stars and, you know, all these different little fun things, um, within the company to really, you know, shine a light on the true heroes of what's happening. And that's the, our people here. And so that was really important for us as we developed our, our, you know, purpose is for us to understand that the people are really what makes it happen. It's the people out here. It's the people in the stores. It, those are the ones who are really making. And so like, even, you know, just not to get too far on a tangent, but you know, no. that's what I tell all our sales teams, like get in the stores and talk to those people who are making things happen day in and day out. Day and out. That's where we're going to learn the most, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, so everything that we do, you know, we do for the greater good of, of the people. And that's also, and I guess in the more, most obvious is the nutrition, the freshness and all of that kind of goes into it. Right. Absolutely. And then, and then you got the planet piece of it. And really uh, for the planet, you know, we, we know we, again, in everything we do, we look at it holistically. So, you know, we know plastic isn't perfect, but it definitely has a place to play because it helps with food waste. It helps with food safety. You know, if you're getting 21 plus days on our, on our living lettuce, if we didn't put it in there and that becomes 14 days, that's seven days, you know, less, you know, you're obviously you're hoping people are picking it up, but at the, at the same time, if, right. you know, for whatever reason, transit other, you know, someone buys a little too much, you don't want that produce going bad and more specifically in people's refrigerators. Cause that's where a lot of that food waste happens, right? They buy it. They say, Oh, wait, I got the lettuce. Hey, it's still good. How amazing is that? Right. Correct. So, Correct. you know, we really look at, you know, the greater good of, of, you know, the environment in such a way that we're not just saying plastic sucks because plastic does have, you know, a, a place in, in some, and we're, and we need to continue to improve on what that looks like day in and day out. Um, right. You know, what's that packaging look like, but you can't just totally disregard it and then have a, another situation on your hands. Right. So turning one bad thing in for another bad thing is still having, 
you know, a bad and food waste for us is one of one of the worst. And then, you know, the last piece of that is kind of the great greater good um, for our greens, you know, and that's, you know, goes into just kind of the overall environment, how we're growing, you know, what we're putting into it, what we're not putting on it, you know, all of that kind of goes into that, that, that greater good. And frankly, it really helps with our overall decision making. Um, you know, so when, when, you know, a team member comes up and, you know, request something, they're going to, they, they go to that and say, Hey, this is greater good for the people. So, we, right. you know, we need this. And it's like, Oh, that makes sense. That fits into and aligns with our, our goals and our mission. So right. let's do it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, something you said, um, when you're talking about that, about developing purpose, right? And I think that's a really understated um, statement that businesses a lot of times don't, you know, their, their purpose, go sell all you can. But really developing your purpose is about what you're doing to make that sale. How do you get to the point where inside projects outside, right? And I think one of the things that I, when I think about your greater good concept, I question back to you about this, it has to somewhat uh, positively affect your company culture when you've got this kind of, you know, purpose, you know, that you've developed, I would imagine that it's probably got some pretty positive feedback from all the way down because you guys, again, being an ESOP people are all a part of the process, right? Can you touch up a little bit on that? Do you feel like that's made a, a cultural difference? Yeah, no, it hundred percent has. I mean, it's, it's more along the lines that people know that they have a voice. And when you, when people fully appreciate that ability to have a voice, and they're not, and here, here's the most important piece that they're not scared to bring it up. Yeah. That's where some true magic actually happens, you know, because I think far too often, um, you know, companies try to, you know, build a company in, a, in the box that they call an office, you mm-hmm. know, and they're not out there talking to, talking to the team. So it definitely, you know, gets people happy to come into work here. You know, we, you know, we're, you know, we tried it you know, historically of, 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 you know, always tried to pay, you know, well, but at the same time, you know, we've have customers who, you know, or not customers, but uh, employees who come to me and said, Hey, you know what, people are trying to, you know, steal you from me, but I'm not going anywhere. And I want you to know that because, you know, our values and who we are, that greater good feeling, or, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the things I always sign off with is be a light to others. Like, that they embody that and they take it honest and they know that the grass is not always greener on the other side. And so, you know, it's a really cool spot to be in where, you know, that, you know, that people want to be here, not that right. they have to be here or anything. A culture is the most important thing, man. How, how people are treated on the inside is going to be how they're going to treat people on the outside. Right? Yeah. And it's important to empower people. And it's important to, you know, you said something, I think that hopefully companies will, and I'm going to bring it back up because I think it's relevant to say again, specifically, People feel comfortable talking. People feel comfortable that they can be heard. People feel comfortable that they can be a part of the process. That's transformational, you know, to a business, especially young startups that are out there today. It's like, you know, you've got to have that connectivity with your folks if you really want to move the ball down the field. I mean, I think it's just incredible. I think I commend you guys for doing it. It's not an easy initiative. I'm sure, you know, it took a while to kind of get it going. It was probably, you know, took a little bit to get people comfortable with it. But, you know, it's super important. So kudos to you guys for doing that. I think it's thank cool. You. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And let, and let me just say one thing for all the businesses yeah. too out there that, you know, you really want to also play it through, okay? Because yeah. that's where a lot of people falter. You know, they ask the questions, they get a list, but then they never go back to the team. And that's when you start losing trust right there because, you know, yeah, you've asked and, and they go back and say, 
they ask, they don't do nothing. I haven't heard. And, you know, that's, you start going counterproductive to a positive culture that way. Yeah, dude, great point. Thank you for bringing that full circle. I think it's absolutely, and hopefully it's a good takeaway for some brands to really think about. You know, that's a great self-reflection question. Like, what are we doing for the greater good? How does it represent? Hopefully we get some people pondering. I think it's, I think it's great. You did touch on something I want to come back to because it's impressive to me. Uh, you know, you guys are one of the most transparent companies out there when it comes to like recycling, you know, you give them 1% back to the planet and packaging and stuff like that. And I just want to touch on it because you, you did a little bit, but I want to get a little bit more out of it because I think it's worthy of, of getting a little bit bigger play. So share with me, I've got a two-part question. How have consumers kind of embrace this and what kind of feedback are you receiving about this? Because you guys definitely, again, wear, wear those morals and values on your shirts. The packaging and plastic is definitely one of them. Yeah, so I think that, you know, we led with the concept that plastic's not perfect and right. embracing and embracing that. And I think because we did that, you know, we still get, you know, a few of our consumers who say, you're still got too much plastic. And we're like, we know, help us, tell us, what have you seen out there? Because we don't want to create another problem by, by, you know, removing it. So we will remove it once it makes sense. How do we do that? Um, and then others, you know, through our process of how we look at it, of taking a, you know, clamshell or in moving to a tub and film, um, you know, like as we did with our package salad, it's just another way to reduce plastic. And, um, you know, as um, you might, you're, you're aware, you know, we've kind of lockstep with 1% for the planet and mm -hmm. specifically through them uh, got into a partnership with a company called the Recycling Partnership. And, it, and, and part of it is that, you know, our kind of overall recycling system is still broken. There are still a lot of places that don't have recycling programs. I know. And so I'll, I'll tell you right now, if you could give me 100% post-recyclable product day in and day out, I'd use it. And every one of our peers in this business would do it too and reuse it and reuse it until there's no use left to it. But we've right. got to be able to capture it. We've got to be able to have recycling facilities that could run it without, you know, having all the issues that are coming today. Um, and I think that there's, if enough is time and, and effort and, you know, obviously money <laughs> gets put into that, then, you know, we start seeing the, the seeds of change starting to happen. And um, so that's what we wanted to lockstep with, you know, so, you know, we look at it again, not just from a, you know, reducing plastic, but then also using recyclable plastic as much as possible and so on and so on. Um, you know, we even try to think of cool ways to, for people to give suggestions to, you know, they call it upcycling our product to use it right. in various aspects. Um, you know, we're just trying to be creative. You know, we know it's not where it needs to be, but it, it's what, where we're at today. And so we're, we want to do everything we can to, you know, at least improve on that. 100%. Well, it's just like I said earlier, it's a positive cost of food. Investing in these technologies, we need to do it. Where we're going to get there is if we keep funding and keep supporting these new changes. No different than CEA is doing from the growing side. We need to invest in the packaging side of it. We've got to come up with better solutions. So I appreciate you guys doing that. I appreciate that transparency. And I love the fact the way you treat the consumers. Like, tell us, help us. It's not what we want to do. And you're right. The industry wants to support it. But there's got to be something for them to support. So I'm glad, you know, that you guys are, are out there doing it. And hopefully we keep stirring that pot up and keep getting people energized and finding new technologies and new ways because we need to. I mean, it's, you know, it's it, we really, really do. All right. So here we go. We're moving on to the big stuff now. Let's talk about it. Local bounty. Here we go. I, you know, I want to get the I want to get the other stuff out because the other <laughs> stuff is, you know, super cool. But let's talk about it. Right. You guys wake up one day and now the sun's like, bing, now we're something else today. <laughs> so talk a little bit about local bounty and what's the partnership entail. 
Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, it's Fred Valentino, East Coast Director of RGO Produce Marketing. Thank you for listening to Todd Versation and Todd Bits. At RGO Produce, we're closing the information gap. Headquartered in the heart of California's Central Valley, the nation's largest and most fertile agricultural growing region, we know fresh produce. With locations across the country, we blend digital innovation with human intelligence to bring the best quality produce to our customers. RJO measures fresh produce quality, taking the speculation out of the buying process. At RJO, we simplify selecting quality because we are quality driven and I promise you quality delivered. Are you sure you know what your produce looks like? We do. Give us a call or go online at rjoproduce.com and let us help elevate your customer's experience. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I guess the best way of putting it is it's where old meets new, legacy meets, you know, a startup per se, or that kind of new technology, let's say, yeah. let's call it. Um, but I think one of our teams said it best in that the two companies came in together like a zipper. And you know how zippers kind of have yeah. one piece that matches the other? Right. Our, our two companies actually were very much like that. It was, it's, you know, you don't see that very often where, you know, our strongest areas were compliments to where they could use a little more help and vice versa, you know, right. where they were extremely strong were areas where we needed a little bit of help. And so together that the, the two companies, they're just this perfect marriage. Um, you know, the ethos and cultures of the company are very much aligned, which was extremely important to, to our team here as we sure. you know, were looking for a partner. You know, we, our, our original goal was just to go out and say, hey, well, you know, let's, you know, we, we have Georgia now what's next for us. Um, it wasn't, you know, in the light of a, a possible acquisition that just kind of came about when you, when you, you know, when you see something and you just know that it's super right. Yeah, that's, that's what that's what this was all about. And so we're really excited about, you know, the, the two teams combining. We're excited about. Uh, the technology that local bounties developed to date and are now blending with, you know, the, the experience of, of our team and, and of our, of our company and what we've done over the, you know, the past, you know, 25, 35, 50 years, depending on how you want to look at the company. Sure. Um, so we're, we're super excited. Well, they definitely bring in infrastructure. I mean, you know, to your point, I mean, the technological infrastructure, I mean, these guys are hot and heavy in the game and, you know, they've got their stack and flow stuff, which is kind of interesting. Anything from an infrastructure standpoint you're excited about? I mean, that they're coming to the table. I mean, you know, with that crystal ball out there, that that news, the new kids. What's the new kid got? Yeah, yeah, no. So, so I guess the uh, you know kind of the easiest way about it is they had the whole stack and flow technology. Um, you know, we were already doing the flow. Um, right. So the the sexiest part of the you know the two companies coming together was the bolt-on stack aspect of it and the ability to you know, take our facilities and then, you know, kind of maximize them, you know, you know, I don't, you know, I hate usually using the term, put it on steroids because it has such a negative effect to it, but for lack of a better term right now, you know, we're compost. taking, You're you putting know, it on compost. yeah, yeah, exactly. We're putting the, these assets to, to even stronger use than what we've had in, in years past. So, um, you know, that ability is extremely exciting. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, you know, to be able to think about that stack and flow where you now, you know, literally you're going to go from here's my footprint to here's my footprint to here's my foot. I mean, it's really, it's, it's phenomenal what they've done, but again, it's, it's back to that positive cost of food. It's these guys that, 
you know, and sitting, and I can't speak for these guys, but they're in a garage. They've got some great idea. They bust their ass to figure it out. <laughs> and the next thing you know, they're in the game and they're making a difference. And that's what I love about this ag tech space is that, and again, not all ag tech is great. Don't get me wrong, but so much of it is positive and it needs to be embraced and uplifted and talked about. There's no two ways about it. It had to be a little interesting though, being that you guys are, you know, an, an ESOP company and, and local bounties publicly traded, right? So that's kind of a little bit of a different, is there any differences with that? Or is it just kind of like just cruising? No, no. I mean, it, I mean, there's definitely a change that goes along with it. Um, not very much from an operational level, you know, all right. that pretty much happens the same, but just kind of the, the, the do's and don'ts and, you know, how, how um, you go after, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the market and growth and everything, it's all very, very different. And so, um, you know, I'm exciting to, to, excited to uh, get into that and learn, learn more about it, but it's, uh, it's a very, very, very cool time. Yeah, it's a different. But, it's different. It's different because now you're asking to multiple masters now, right? You got shareholders. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and it is. It's not any different from what we're doing uh, all, all these years. You know, we were True. always a, a customer first company, so you know, we've always got. You know, uh, the customers always told us that what they needed from us. <laughs> so it. you know, now our, our customer list, as the way we look at it, is, has just grown. But uh, you know, ultimately, you know, our our, our company. Our combined company, Local Bounty, um, is, is really focused on just driving what's, what's right in retail, what's right in food service, what's right in, you know, all the various channels that, that we serve and, you know, just making it, you know, with the end consumer in mind, right? Right, so right. That's, that's really what we're, what we're after and being I a good, good partner that way. I love it. So what's next for you guys? What's next for Pete and Local Bounty as you guys kind of chart your future together? What's exciting? What are you going to drop a little tidbit on me? Yeah, little, you, I mean, you, well, you got to be careful with your tidbits. You can go to jail now for tidbits. Yeah, I say, remember, remember that uh, <laughs> that question you just asked me about public trading company. Yeah, I'll shut. That, sorry, remember yeah, that, that that's one of them. Tidbits don't get dropped <laughs> until they're dropped by someone else first. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, suffice it to say, you know, the 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 market's the market. You know, we're we're all going after it. We're all you know building a brand, and uh, it's a super exciting time. No, there's no two ways about it. I mean, there's got to be some fun stuff on the horizon. There's no doubt. I mean, the synergies are there. You know, I think it's just neat to see how you've, you've, you've brought, again, this legacy brand to the next generation and combining the two. But, you know, quite frankly, I mean, of all the ones that are out there, and I pay a, a great deal of attention to the space, as you are well aware, this one's interesting to me because it's the blending, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you were if you were both two little startups that were had three years of history, you'd be like, all right, it's just another one, right? We'll see where it goes. But, you know, you've got that legacy play and then the new generation type of deal. It's kind of cool. I think it's going to be interesting to see what you guys do. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. We're we're, we're really excited about what the what the future holds. And uh, the good news is, because we're publicly traded, all you have to do is look at the ticker LOCL, and you know we're going to continue feeding you all the tidbits that you want moving forward. There, Don. I love it. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. All right, enough said. All right, I got my, I got you back. All right, we're fine. We're fine. I'll tidbit you off air. <laughs> no, just kidding. I love it. Well, you, like I said, you guys are, you know, it, it's really neat to see what the space has done. It's really neat to see what your legacy is and what you've been able to do as, as you know, leading this team and moving the ball forward. So I'm excited about the opportunities that Local Bounty is going to be able to provide you guys, you know, this runway and this runway of change. Because I think that's really, if, if there was a quote unquote tidbit out there, change is probably the key word, right? Evolution and change of what's going to happen. So it's going to be exciting. Not only for the industry to see, but I think it's going to be exciting for the consumers to see what's next. Yeah, 
That's, that's, that's true. I, I think there's a, a Darwin quote out there and um, I'm not going to say it exactly the way he, it was written, but it goes something about it's not the strongest or the wisest that are going to be, the, that are going to survive. It's the one that's most adapted to change. And Correct. that's where we're, that's where we live and we're, we're open to it. And, you know, I mean, as a legacy business, if we weren't open to that change, what would happen in the future um, as a, you know, startup business, if you don't, you know, look to the history in the past of, and build a foundation off of something that's, you know, proven, you know, there's issues there. So mm-hmm. having that combined uh, experience with a forward looking um, view of a startup is, to your point, is extremely, extremely exciting. Yeah, it's great. I can't wait. It's going to be fun to watch. All right. You want to have a little fun with me? I'm going to throw you a couple of curveball questions. I got to have, right. I got to, we got to have, right. a what, what, this will be easy. This will be a dead or alive. Who would you like to go have dinner with? Um, I would say my mother, um, you know, I lost her at, um, the age of 13 and, yeah. you know, she's been a big, uh, influence on my life, even in, in, in death. And, uh, so to have one, one dinner, uh, with her cool. would be amazing again. That'd be cool. Well, second is Jesus though. I, you know, no, no offense. To <laughs> get a, get a, you know, we'll get a table for three. Yeah, there you go. There you like go. It. You don't have to yeah, get a table <laughs> for three. That'd be, all right. that's cool. I love that, dude. I love that. That's a great answer. So here's one for you. You're not going to know this one. I guarantee you not. If you know this one, I'll buy you a beer. What, okay. is, what is what is the most dangerous bear? The most dangerous dangerous bear. Bear. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, I I thought everyone would say grizzly, but now it nah. seems like it's probably too nah. obvious of an answer. How about I'm a polar bear? Them. What kind? Polar bear? No. No. It's an Asian black bear. Oh really? Yeah, I, well, it's what they told me. I don't know. I haven't chased one down to find out if it's in trash. I'm not too. I'm not running into the cage to check it, but that's what they tell me. And then the Himalayan black bear is a close second. I don't know how you judge that. I don't know who gets up from the first fight and goes, "Well, this one's almost as tough." Yeah. But nonetheless, there you go. Interesting. Very interesting. So, well, and I, I set that. I set up the bear question because you know, I was just trying to get a little bit of an aggressive one for this next question. This one's going to take some time, and I, I want you to think it through. And I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to be like Jeopardy. We're going to give you a little bit of time to ponder the question. <laughs> Okay, you ready for it? In what year or what century will the Raiders win a Super Bowl? Oh, how dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're not going to answer that one? In this decade, you know, I'm going to give myself a little wiggle room, but I'm going to say before 2030, we'll have a Super Bowl. Okay, you heard it here first, before 2030. That's yeah. a very long window, but I'm going to give you the grace of saying, okay, you've got a little, I'm going to give you the eight, you're going to give you seven, seven seasons to okay. get a Super Bowl. Seven well, seasons. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll throw something a little bit more exact on you. I'm going to say 20, uh, let's say, so super, so we're going to think of Super Bowls now, right? So that's going to be 23 next year. So let's say 24, 2024. After, uh, you've got from, Devontae you've got Adams. From, from 2030 to 2024, that quick? Listen, I, I, I wanted to give myself a little, uh, you know, wiggle room. <laughs> I, I, well, I can't, you know what? I don't want to be thirsty for nine years either. So I'm okay with it. So that's okay. So 2024, <laughs> you heard it here. It's on tape. Yeah, that's it. Beers on, the, beers on it. Yeah I, yeah, I guarantee it that you are going to be buying me a beer. I have no doubt about it. I'll get you two beers. <laughs> this is awesome. Dude, you're so much fun to hang with. I love hanging out with you. And I love the fact what you guys are doing and what you're about. And I'm going to throw one final question, if you don't mind, just because, you know, you, you know, you have an interesting trajectory as a person, right? And, and knowing you a little bit like I do and where, where your background and 
you know, how important your family is to you and, and how important uh, your faith is to you and the different things that are important into your life and, and, you know, building a business for the right reason, you know, again, in developing that purpose and having purpose, you know, anybody, anybody that uses the word purpose, I think it's just, it's such a powerful word. And I think that we need to use more of it because I think it just dictates so much about what choices we make and how we should make choices in a lot of ways. So my final question to you with our time is, you know, when you look back at, at Brian, early on in his career and, and you know, starting and, and kind of like where you've come to today and kind of comparing the two, what piece of advice do you think you'd give your younger self today? If you were, of course, if you were going to listen to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Depending on what year it was, that, that, that is a questionable uh, uh, <laughs> comment, but uh, I would say embrace the mistakes. You know, I mean, throughout this whole time, you know, we, you know, we work hard, we try to figure things out, but inevitably something's going to happen that is not going to go according to plan. And when you do that, it's really easy for us as, as people to beat ourselves up. Yeah. It's really easy for us to get down on ourselves. But I encourage my you know, 20-year-old self and anybody out there who's, who's listening to embrace the mistake, learn from it, rise above it, and just continue to rock because you know, ultimately it just makes you stronger. 100%, dude. That's awesome. What a great place to wrap up our time hanging out together. That's awesome. Dude, local bounty, Pete's, Brian Cook, man of the hour, man, myth, legend. He's here. <laughs> I'm proud. I'm proud of you, brother. I'm proud of the way you run your company. I'm proud of the way you think about it. It's refreshing. It's encouraging. I hope people take some time and ponder what you've said and the things you've thrown out there. Because quite frankly, in a lot of ways, it's a challenge, right? I mean, you're challenging other businesses to think differently and find that it, it works. And it's so important that we do that because without our people, you know, it, businesses are nothing. And you can you can grow the greatest product you want, but if you can't get it to the consumer and it, and it doesn't resonate and your people aren't encouraged by it, it just doesn't work, man. And I just I see what you guys are doing is just you know absolutely um, lifting up the positivity that businesses need to have every day. And so I appreciate you for that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yep. Yeah, yeah, true, true words, man. Absolutely. Well, you're gonna come back when you have tidbits. You got to come back. You got to drop some tidbits on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, here, I'll bring up a tidbit, tidbit that uh, I brought up a little earlier. A after you leave this, everyone go out and search for a way you could be a light to others. Be a light to others. Great place to wrap it up. I'm going with that. Be a light to others, folks. That's what a great way. You know, I end all these broadcasts the same way, bro. I always tell people to go inspire somebody because I think it's really important that we do that. It's just a hello is a source of inspiration, right? It doesn't take a lot, but it means a lot to somebody when you do that. So be a light. That's a source of inspiration, man. It's the exact same thing. I appreciate you for being here, brother. I really do. Yeah, I appreciate the time, brother. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us, man. We appreciate you hanging out on Todd Versations. And check out Todd Biss. Check us out on social media. You know, that's where the cool kids are. That's where we hang out. So go love us up on social. We'll love you back. Come tell your story with us. Brian, you're the man. Support action like this is what we need to do. We need to lift these companies up, man. They're making a difference. Let's invest in them. Let's make it happen. Appreciate you being here, brother. I'll see you soon. And uh, I'm looking forward to my beer after the Raiders do not have the Super Bowl 2024. <laughs> Take care of everybody. Go inspire somebody. We'll see you soon. Bye.